Welcome to the Hidden Palace with Skyblaze. Hello, good people. It is I, Skyblaze. This is the Hidden Palace on Radio Sega. And this is my first show as a permanent member of Radio Sega staff. So, hello everyone. Uh, tonight on the Hidden Palace we are going to be talking about rare and obscure Sega games. Or at least games that were released on Sega consoles. So, uh, expect some third party music tonight. Uh, good news, I've passed my Radio Sega trial and I'm now a permanent member of staff. So thank you to everyone who's been supporting me so far. Who's talked to me on Twitter, who's followed me on Twitter. And are uh, here in Discord chat. Hello to the people in Discord chat. But on with the show. So, we're talking about the rare and obscure. Now, Echo the Dolphin is not exactly what you generally call an obscure game. But, there was a unique version of the game that is pretty much a, a kind of holy grail for connect collectors. So back in the 90s, the London Aquarium actually had a dolphin named Echo. So Sega made a deal with them, for some reason to produce a very, very limited edition of the PAL version of the original Echo of the Dolphin in a box set containing the game, t-shirt, certificate and a CD. Money from the set went to the aquarium charity for the upkeep of the dolphins who lived there. Now I can't find a huge amount about how much it was actually originally cost. Uh, I do know it was only sold via the London Aquarium shop. Uh, the rare copies of the box that do appear on eBay and similar places uh, in relatively recent years have sold for between, get ready for this, $210 and $1,300. $1,300. Oh my god. Wow. I mean... That's, that's a fair chunk of change. So, uh, on that note, I think we'll have some music from Echo the Dolphin. So I think from the original Echo the Dolphin uh, on the Mega Drive, let's have Under Caves. Enjoy.
listening to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.
are back. Uh, that was um, Echo for the Mega CD's title screen, and prior to that it was Echo the Dolphin on the Mega Drive Under Caves. Uh, people in the Discord chat are uh, asking if I was going to talk about Action 52. Uh, I might cover it in another episode, I'm not planning on talking about it today. Um, because it's unlicensed, so it's a bit of a grey area, plus um, it's, it's not something I'm going to cover today. I'll, I might talk about it another time, uh, if I'm going to talk about really dreadful games. Although, to be fair, the Mega Drive version is slightly better than the NES version. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry, I will explain it at some point. You'll just have to carry on listening to my show. Oh noes, how terrible would that be? Anyway... <laughs> Speaking of the Mega Drive, or Genesis if you happen to be of the American persuasion, uh, wasn't really well known for its puzzle games here in the West, with the notable exception of things like Columns and Mean Bean Machine, but there were some really good ones on it, uh, like Bad Omen, which is also called Devilish in some areas. It's an action puzzle game, kind of similar to Arkanoid, but it's crossed with a vertical scrolling shooter, and it features two paddles instead of just one to bounce balls off. Uh, the first paddle moves left and right, the other one moves up and down, uh, adding another dimension to your quest to fight enemies and destroy objects with brightly coloured spheres. Or circles, because it's 2D, but you get the idea. The graphics, as you would guess from the name, are have a horror theme, which gives it a very interesting visual style. style. I can say words. Uh, it looks great. Uh, I've only, I've, I've never actually played it. I've only um, seen uh, videos, but it, it looks really cool. Uh, similarly, using a horror theme is Devil Crash, uh, also known as Devil's Crush. Uh, it's one of the many puzzle pinball games on the Mega Drive, similar to Sonic Spinball. But its graphics and theming, which featured things like demons, vampire bats, and a female face that transforms from beautiful to deformed as you score points, makes it stand out a bit. This is one I have actually played and I really enjoyed it. Uh, plus the music on it's great, so it's worth picking up if you can manage to find a copy. Which you might not, because it's, as, a, as you would guess from the theme of this show, it's fairly rare. Um, you can you should probably find it on emulator fairly easily then. So, on that note, I think we should have some music from Bad Omen and Devil Crash. So first of all, let's have some music from Bad Omen slash Devilish. Uh, stage 5, Seaside.
streaming the best Sega music 24-7. from Devil Crash and before that it was Stage 5 Seaside from Bad Omen slash Devilish. So how rare is rare when it comes to the Dreamcast? How about a version of a game given out to only five people? Japanese giant mecha shooter Bangai-O, I've probably pronounced that wrong, Bangai-O? Bangai-O? I don't know. Bangai-O Prize Edition was given out as the top prize for a high score contest in Japan. Now, while the content of the game itself is exactly the same as the normal edition, the prize versions could be identified by a sticker on the case. Really? It's a sticker and... Uh, okay. Now, only two of them were known to have been sold. Uh, both times it was done without a great deal of fuss and fanfare, as the game was not very well known outside of Japan at the time. Even so, one of those was estimated to have been sold for more than $500. That's without a lot of collectors knowing about it. But now that collectors have discovered the existence of this rare collectible, uh, it'll probably, now next time it goes up for, for sale, um, it'll almost certainly end up bringing in over $1,000 and possibly a lot more. That's pretty scary. All for something that can only be identified as rare by the fact that it has a sticker and other versions don't. I get the whole, like, collecting stuff thing, but that's a bit odd. Paying a thousand dollars for something, for a sticker. But people are strange, and if that's your thing, you carry on. So, uh, I think we should play some music from it. So, from uh, Bangayo, uh, we have Moonbase Alpha.
we are back. Um, that was The Bomb Maze from Gangai O uh, by Treasure, and prior to that it was Moonbase Alpha from the same game. So on the topic of Dreamcast games, have you ever noticed that it sometimes really, really sucks to be a gamer outside the US and Japan? Want a PAL copy of Sonic Shuffle? That would be £60, please, if you're lucky. Shenmue 1, PAL Mint Inbox, £45. Shenmue 2, £90. Res, £40. It could be worse, though. You could be after a copy of Taxi 2. No, 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 not Crazy Taxi 2, just Taxi 2. A game released exclusively in France, of all places, and one of the rarest Dreamcast games in the world which I have personally seen sold at conventions for more than a hundred quid. Which is kind of painful for anybody who actually knows anything about this, because by all accounts the game is really, really awful. All you do in it, all you have to do, all the game involves is driving from point A to point B before a timer runs out. That's it. That's all. That's your gameplay. We're not exactly talking Crazy Taxi or Grand Theft Auto here, so charging a hundred quid for this seems... a bit on the cheeky side, let us say. But before I start ranting any further, um, since it's a terrible game, I am not going to give it the dignity of playing any of the music from it, and the music isn't very good anyway. Uh, like the rest of the game. So let's have some music from Crazy Taxi instead. Uh, this is Fire Puppy from Crazy Taxi The Fair Wars. I'm your 
years of the best Sega music on the internet. Radio Sega, 10 years for Sega ears. Iron Wings from Sonic Shuffle and prior to that it was Fire Puppy from Crazy Taxi Fair Wars. Uh, somebody was asking on the chat if they think that the uh, the music from Crazy Taxi holds up. It was Twinny. Hello Twinny. Uh, I think it does but I'm biased and old so you know when I were a lass and old so I thought well, this was Nope But Fields and so on and so forth. <laughs> Back to the original topic. I'm in a very strange mood today. Speaking of games that are not worth the prices that people charge for them, Radiant Silvergun for the Saturn. Now, before anyone explodes, I know it's a great game and one of the best regarded 2D shooter maps ever made, and it's highly sought after by collectors, especially in the US. However, it isn't actually very rare. Contrary to popular belief. Up until the past few years, it was possible to go into most Japanese stores that sold retro games and find one for a fairly reasonable price. Bearing in mind that the Saturn did a lot better in its home region than it did in the US or Europe. But, Japanese store owners and collectors and savvy gamers have got wise to how sought after it is in the West and are charging insane money for it making this relatively common game go for up to $300 if you happen to get unlucky. Wow. Well, I suppose somebody's got to earn a living. Uh, I was mentioning Propeller Arena. I did talk about it uh, in a previous show when I was talking about Cancel Projects. Um, so, yeah, it is obscure, but it was covered under my Cancel Projects uh, show. So, if you want to hear about me talk about Propeller Arena, I can talk about... Uh, I go back and listen to my cancelled shows uh, on the podcast that you'll find on the Radio Sega site, and you can listen to me talk about it there. Um, so, let's have some music from Radiant Silvergun. Uh, this is Radiant Silvergun Reminiscence.
that was Radiant Silvergun, Evasion, and Reminiscence. So you enjoyed those. Ah! Brazil! A portal into a parallel universe where Sega remains the king of consoles. A country where sales of the 30-year-old Master System can match up with the sales figures for the PS4. A country that has Sega licensee Tectoy producing a brand new version of the Mega Drive in 2017. Hello to any listeners we might have in Brazil, by the way. Lovely parallel universe you have there. It's got great weather as well. Uh, no wonder that back in the 90s, Brazil got its own exclusive Mega Drive game release. It was called Nightmare Circus, which is a really cool name. And Sega initially touted it as being the Mega Drive's answer to Donkey Kong Country. Which it wasn't. It was an okay game, don't get me wrong. It was psychedelically colourful, reasonably fun to play, but it didn't match Sega's expectations. Sega cancelled, sort of, in every region except Brazil. Or again, via the short-lived Sega channel in the US, which I've discussed in a previous episode. So... Brazil gets a, uh, a physical copy of this and nobody else does. It really is a parallel world, it's really odd. Uh, the Brazilian version of the cartridge goes for about $180. Now there are rumours persisting of an English cartridge copy out in the wild somewhere, but I've not been able to find any existence of it actually existing outside of reproduction cartridges. So bear that in mind if you are looking for a copy of this. Also, Mega Man. I am not a huge fan. I've played a couple of them while I thought they were okay. I am not the hugest fan in the world of it, but I know a lot of people are. Why am I talking about Mega Man on a Sega show? Well, there was only one Mega Man game released on the Mega Drive. Mega Man The Wily Wars. As I've mentioned in a previous episode, the game was only available in the USA if you were uh, subscribed to the short-lived Sega channel, which I mentioned just now. The game is actually supposed to be very good, a polished and graphically upgraded port of the first three Mega Man games that were originally on the NES, or NES if you prefer, with some extra levels referred to as Wily's Tower, which were unlocked if you release the other three games. Finish the other three games, rather. It's one of those days. However, the game was released in a small print run in Japan as Rockman Mega World, and it was released in the PAL regions under the title Mega Man The Wily Wars. Original PAL versions of the game go for up to $200 or more, but it's best to be very, very careful with this if you want an original copy of the game, as there are a lot of fakes and reproduction cartridges out there. Buy up aware and all that sort of thing. So, with that in mind, I think we should have some music from The Wily Wars, because I can get away with that. <laughs> So, I think we shall have uh, Dr. Wily's Tower, Stage 2 from Mega Man The Wily Wars.
Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24 7. From Nightmare Circus and prior to that it was Mega Man The Wily Wars Dr. Wily's Tower Stage 2. Is it just me or does that The Wall of Death soundtrack uh, sound a bit Doctor Who? I, I think it's that kind of noise. just or maybe I'm just a nerd and I'm hearing things I don't know. Uh, Jamie, uh, uh, Mr. Wonderman Jamie has said that there was a, believe it or not, uh, produced and developed by Tectoy, who are the licensee in Brazil, uh, they managed to produce a Duke Nukem 3D port for the Mega Drive slash Genesis. I had no idea this existed and I'm really intrigued, so I'm going to look that up and maybe talk about it in another show. Um, because that, that's amazing. I, I wouldn't have thought that that could possibly exist. There is a video that PT Kickass has put up, but I can't watch it right now because I'm broadcasting. So I'll watch it after the show and maybe talk about it on a, on another show. Um, but yeah. So, 
Speaking of uh, things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with Sega, Tetris. Now, I first played Tetris on the Game Boy longer ago than I really care to think about. Or at least I played it fairly briefly before my dad pinched my Game Boy and my copy of Tetris to play it for hours. So mostly all I saw at that point was the back of the Game Boy. These are the trials of living in a house full of geeks. So, Nintendo have the exclusive Tetris license and always have, right? Well, not quite. You see, before Nintendo managed to snag the exclusivity rights, everyone and their dog was working on a port of the game, including Sega. Sega was so quick off the mark with it, in fact, that they actually produced a Mega Drive version of the game and got it published to cartridge, but it never made it to sale. Once Sega got word of Nintendo's ex exclusivity deal, or more likely Nintendo waved it under their nose and told them to stop lest there be a lawsuit, they, uh, Sega did the decent thing and destroyed almost all of the cartridges. You're not there that I said, almost? That's because there are thought to be around 10 copies still in existence, likely in the hands of people who worked for Sega at the time. There hasn't been a sale recently that I'm aware of, since everybody who owns it probably has it locked in a safe somewhere, if they're sensible. But experts think it could be worth around $20,000. $20,000. That's a lot of money. That's an awful lot of money. Whew. Wow. I'm, I'm recovering now. Uh, Jamie Wonderman is saying that you can get a ROM of it. Yes, you can, but it's not the same thing. Uh, a lot of people in the Discord chat are quite stunned by the amount of money. I, I can't get over it either. Every time I look at the figure, my brain just explodes. Now, since I'll get in trouble if I play any more third-party music, uh, I think I will play something from a different puzzle franchise. A more... Sega puzzle franchise. And since I have not really played any remixes tonight, I think I'll play a remix. This is Column's main theme um, from Razor. It's an OC remix. And uh, let's enjoy that.
Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.
And we are back again. That was Atropos from the original Columns, and the Blue Square Mix from Columns' main theme by Razor from OC Remix. Alright, I wouldn't really have got into trouble for playing Tetris music. We do have some on the playlist for Radio Sega. But I this way I have an excuse to play Atropos from Columns because it's my favourite Columns theme. <laughs> Ever listen to it on headphones? It's amazing! Also, I have I have this bizarre love for Columns. I have some weird, weird Zen-like skill with it. Only the original version of Mega Drive, though. So I, I can just play it without actually thinking about it. It's really bizarre. Anyway, for anybody who's asking what I have in my collection, I don't really have that much in the way of rarities. I'm not really rich enough to bid terrifying money on eBay for things, or lucky enough or patient enough to try and dig out hidden gems in various car boot sales and so on. I'd say the most valuable game I own in my uh, is probably my Dreamcast copy of Sonic Adventure 2. But that's only because it's signed by Yuji Naka, Takeshi Iizuka, and both members of Crush 40. And you may have it when you pry it from my cold, dead hands! Mine. I'm quite fond of that. I've got a Sonic, uh, Sonic Generations poster which is signed by Takeshi Izuka and Yuji Naka as well, which I'm quite fond of. That's in a frame. <laughs> Not that I'm showing off or anything. That might be a lie. So I'm going to sign off for tonight uh, because I'm pretty much done with the show now. So thank you very much for everyone who's listened to me tonight. Thank you for everyone who supported me being signed on to Radio Sega. Thanks to the guys in the Discord chat and the people on Twitter. And this, I've been Skyblaze. This has been the Hidden Palace. And for the last song for tonight, I think I'll play something from Sonic Adventure 2. So this is Supporting Me for Bio Lizard from Sonic Adventure 2. And I bid you all good night. Take care.
enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.